to the Conscious Culture Cafe, the podcast that explores how you can lean into your purpose, live your values, and enhance your social impact through your work. I'm your host, Kathy Miller Perkins. Today, I'm talking with Ann Chambers, serial entrepreneur and CEO of the marketing agency Red212, and also, more importantly for our topic today, the founder of the startup Certifiably. Anne is going to share tips with us about how to start a business targeting social impact. And she's going to base that advice to us on her experience to date with Certifiably, which, as I understand it, she positioned to become a social impact business from the get-go. So, Anne, welcome to Conscious Culture Cafe podcast. And before we dive into the topic of how you founded a startup for social impact, can you give us some highlights of your backstory? Sure. Hi, Kathy. I'm so happy to be here. And I really appreciate you thinking of me and reaching out to do this. It's the work you're doing is really, really important. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. My backstory is I've always been an entrepreneur and and a social entrepreneur in my heart. But I did have a chapter about 10 years of working at Procter & Gamble. So I feel like the Procter & Gamble experience kind of gave me tons of business acumen that I would not have gotten elsewhere. Obviously, it's like going to getting an MBA somewhere. (laughs) I'll bet. (laughs) But I was lucky when I was at P&G, I worked for a part of my time there. I worked in what they called their in-house production company, which really we turned into an in-house ad agency. Mm -hmm. And then I bought that company from... P&G and turned it into Red212, the agency that I currently have. So that was kind of the beginning. But even at Procter & Gamble, I spent a lot of time at Procter really trying to introduce, this was in the early 90s, Kathy, trying to introduce the concept of business as a force for change. Wow. That's early early in the 90s to do that. We worked in 1994, we put a team together to try to get Olay to become the brand that empowers women around the world. And we were going to partner with Grameen America to do, or it wasn't even Grameen America at the time, it was Grameen Bank, to do microloans. So to take some of the money from Olay and then reinvest it into microloans and then tell the story of those women as they built their businesses around the world. Oh, what a good idea. Did that come to be? No. (laughs) All right. What happened? You know what? It was just too early. I think today P&G or any other company would be really open to an idea like that. And you can see that they're doing all kinds of things like that. Right. But in the 1990s, it was way too early for them to understand the impact and where the world was going with with social business. So is that why you decided to purchase the, the Red 212? Or how did you make that decision? Or why did you make that decision? Well, actually, I was, it was, I was getting ready to leave P&G and I was building a mission-driven edamame snack brand called Mame. And I was all set. We had figured it all out, where to source the edamame beans. And the whole tagline was, I want my mame. We were using the brand as a voice for children around the world who need homes. So the tagline, I want my mame, really tied to the children as well as the right. right. So I was getting ready to do that. But mind you, I knew nothing about sourcing beans and, and <laughs> packaging and shipping and distribution. So P&G came to me and said that they wanted to divest the division that I was working in. And I, my husband and I were all in production and marketing and advertising. And so we mm-hmm. thought, 
well, what a wonderful opportunity to create a family business with the world's biggest CPG company. Right. And I felt that I had to delay creating the mission-driven brand because my skills and the opportunity to build this other business were, were much more in line with buying the business from P&G. But you had in mind from the beginning then that it would be mission-driven, social impact, correct? I had hoped that it would be, but to be honest, at that point, I wasn't clear. So I always knew that any business I did would be, in fact, we named the company and made a commitment that any business that we did would be called Bright Future, either Bright Future Brands or Partners or products, whatever we did, uh-huh. with the intention that our stakeholders would be more than just shareholders. We would have to be creating a bright future for our employees, for the consumers that touched us, for our clients. So having this vision of a brighter future, that in and of itself was really a social impact. I say. So your husband is with you in this venture. I, I didn't know that. That's interesting. He isn't anymore, but he was at the beginning. He's a film director, and so he did a lot of our work for us. I see. Yeah. All right. We had a good time. So as you worked within Red 212, how did that evolve into certifiably or certifiably completely separate from Red 212? Well, certifiably and Red 212 are now combined very recently, as of literally this last week. And the reason that we did certifiably is really my experience with Red 212. Red 212 was a a certified woman-owned business. Mm -hmm. And in going to all the conferences for women-owned businesses, one of the things that I noticed was that the women really didn't make a big, big, big effort to work together and felt that as a woman-owned business, I want to work with other women businesses, right? Right, yeah. You know, you want to support each other. You want to see them be successful because the more successful we are collectively, the greater our impact will be. And that's Absolutely. that's such an important concept to me. So it kind of struck me as odd that there was no easy way for me to just get on a platform and find other women-owned businesses to work with. So what happened next is Red212 became a certified B Corp. You were early in, in getting certified, weren't you? Well, fairly early only because B Corps have only been around for 10 years. So Yeah, we, right. Right. So B Corp is a certification that you get through an organization called B Lab. Mm-hmm. And the belief of all B Corps is that we are all part of business as a force for good. Mm-hmm. And we are very strict on our policies relative to who our stakeholders are. So it's employees. It's basically people profit planets. So we're all about profit, but we're also all about how does our business impact the rest of the world. Once we were part of the B Corp community, I experienced the same thing, the same phenomenon that I did when I was with my certified women-owned businesses. And that is that the businesses were not working together. And I found that to be even more unusual because these are like tribe people. We're all like a tribe kind of marching. Right. Right. That is surprising. You would think we'd all be working together, but we weren't. And, And as I peeled away the onion, like, why is this happening? The answer was really simple. And it is, there was no platform to make it easy to do it. Ah, 
So that was the inspiration for me. I saw as an entrepreneur, you know, you see a problem. Problems are opportunities. Yes. And so I, I just jumped into it and decided to build the platform certifiably to solve the problem of businesses or people being able to work with, with other impact businesses. And now we've expanded it in order to scale. Kathy, we went beyond B Corp <laughs> and we're doing women-owned, veteran-owned, fair trade, LGBTQ. So you could just have an opportunity and post it on the platform and you can say what types of certifications you would like to be working with. So who are the customers for Certifiably? Well, we have basically two types of customers. One type is a multinational big company that Mm -hmm. is looking to really expand their supplier base. Mm -hmm. These are companies that are really looking to change the way they're doing business. And most of, I'm going to say that, I'm going to guess that most of our future companies will be companies that have signed on to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Ah, that's good. So how do, how do the Sustainable Development Goals fit with Certifiably? Well, what we're building inside Certifiably is eventually, and you know, as a startup, you know how that is. You yes, know, you right. Go. One of the things, one of the really important things that we're building is a way to track every purchase against one or more of the United Nations SDGs. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So it's going to be very cool. So in the, at the end of a year, you'll be able to see, the, any company will be able to look at a, at a report and see the impact that they've made. Oh, that's wonderful. And so the big business clients would welcome that because they've already signed on to the SDGs and they need a way to show what they're doing, I take it. Is that your thought? Yep, that's our thought. And it's really partly also in response to Larry Fink from BlackRock last year really saying companies have to stand for something and have to be on a mission to do something. So this will be an easy way for companies to track and show shareholders what they're really doing. Right. And so your other customers, the B Corps, mm-hmm. how is that working? How does that work? So the other customers are any any small business that wants to either, number one, have an opportunity to work with the big companies that will be on the platform. Right. But two, companies that want to do what I described earlier, which is work with other B Corps, work with other women-owned businesses, find a fair trade business to work with. So you don't have to be certified to buy from someone on the platform, but it gives you a way to search for the type of company that you're looking for. Okay. So you don't have to be certified to buy from the platform, but you do have to be certified to offer services on the platform. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. What's your marketing plan? How are you getting the word out? Basically, it's we're targeting B Corps first. Multinationals and B Corps first, because they're pretty much early adopters. The B Corp people, they want this solution. So once we get traction with our B Corps, then we'll start to roll it out group by group. So we'll, then we'll go into women-owned, ah. LGBTQ. So we want to get it right with the first group. You yes. know, it's always like a beta, right? You need to refine, right. refine, refine when you're doing a startup. We are trying to get it right with the right group of people that will give us feedback. It's a, it's a process that, you know, it's a co-creation process, really, Kathy. Co-creation with whom? With our, our members and with our, any of our clients. I, I see. I really want them to have say in 
what they need because this is a new product. And being a new product, we need to be very open to say, okay, we think that you're going to want all of these different types of reporting. Yes. They may say, no, we really would like to see, instead of going there first with your build, create a platform for sharing videos of all the company. I don't know. You never know what someone's going to do, right? But we're trying to be very open and taking the lead from our clients. That's wonderful. So, so I take it then that your vision for Certifiably has evolved over time. Can you speak to that a little bit? It has evolved over time. Well, actually, the first form of Certifiably was actually an e-commerce platform mm-hmm. to help people buy from more um, CPG type businesses that actually had products to offer. Mm-hmm. So that was the way we started. We were we just wanted to have a platform that made it easy for consumers to find and do business with companies that shared their values. Oh, I see. Interesting. That, it was all consumer focused. So the big shift to your point is how things shift is that we discovered the need was so big with the B2B companies. We have shifted to B2B. Someday we might choose again to have more consumer facing, but right now it's B2B. Has your vision for the types of services changed or is that you're still working with your customers to figure that out or where are you with that? I'm still working with my customers to figure it out. There are some Mm -hmm. big areas like um, a lot of our customers are smaller businesses. And so I'm asking the question, you know, do we need to have some kind of a portal that makes it easy for a big company to work with lots of small companies with only one vendor at the helm? Right. So uh, basically a a corporate paymaster in a way. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that I just don't know for sure, but I think those are some of the things we're going to need. So what it sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you had an idea, you wanted to create something that would serve a need, and it's evolving as you go. You're co-creating with your clients, you're changing how you're thinking about it as you go. Would that be a a fair description? It's a fair thing to say, Kathy. It has to, it changes all the time. I mean, there's some fundamental things. If you keep, I think as an entrepreneur, if you keep your purpose in mind, which is we need to make it easy for impact companies to find each other and do business together. Yes. Because the more, as I said earlier, even with, I was talking about women then, but in general, the more impact companies are successful the greater impact they're going to have in the world. Yes. And for me, helping to power and empower those impact businesses is really my mission. Because they're all so great. I mean, they're so brilliant and genius and they have these ideas about how to change the world and what to do with it. And I'm not good at that. I'm good at like helping other people get ahead. Supporting, (laughs) supporting. (laughs) I'm like the rah-rah team in the back. So that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Do you think that there's anything different about a startup for impact versus any kind of startup? Or is the process pretty much the same, do you think? I think that the process is pretty much the same. I will say that the group that we're working with, the B Corps, they are very focused and very clear on impact. Mm -hmm. So you get really great feedback from them. It's a very tough audience. I think impact businesses have, they have a really, really tight North Star. 
no one can stand a lot of scrutiny, but boy, when you're in this space, you've got to be ready to be scrutinized. Right, right, right. Exactly. I think it's a little, it's a little bit harder because you have to be willing to be very transparent mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being a B Corp requires that transparency, which is great. It's, I mean, everyone should be transparent. You know, you have to be ready for all of that. You have to be ready for the scrutiny. Yeah. So my next question is going to be, have you run into any obstacles? Would that scrutiny piece be something, a hurdle for you or what obstacles have you faced, if any? I would say some that I would not be surprised about and some that did surprise me. So we were going down a path of creating an alliance with several multinational companies. And as a startup, I was told at a certain point that there were some dangers of antitrust laws. How could I possibly, I'm not even a business yet. How could I be in the middle of an antitrust? So it really was an issue that's kind of stopped us in our tracks of a path. We were going down and we had to pivot. We couldn't go down that path. And I would say it definitely cost us several months of our planning. So you have to be resilient, huh? (laughs) You just have to go, okay, I did not see that one coming. I did not think that we were antitrust waters. But the other challenge, Kathy, I would say is the challenge of any woman starting in a technology startup or pretty much any startup, and that is access to capital, is a very big issue for startups And we know it's a really big issue for women-led startups. Yes, right. So that's not unique to a social impact business per se. It's more unique to, it's not unique, but it's harder for women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for example, in the venture capital world, 2%, the numbers vary between 2 and 4% of all venture funding went to women-led startups in 2017. Oh, my gosh. And so the numbers are just ridiculous. So you know when you're going into pitch to raise a fund, you're really up against the wall. And and there's a lot of issues around it. So that's another one of my projects on the side. I'm working with an organization that has been recently formed with all the B Corp CEOs, female CEOs, Mm -hmm. that was really led by Eileen Fisher. And we now call it we the change. So there's a website called wethechange.com. Mm-hmm. And it has our manifesto about what we want to be as women leaders in the world, as women. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So that's another offshoot for you. Right. Very interesting. Very well, interesting. Part of social impact, right? So yes, of course. I make an impact. And so in addition to what I'm doing with Certifiably, yes, I have to look at, okay, my experience was hard to raise money as a woman. So take action, right? I'm an, uh, you know, I'm an activist. So I yes. have, have to, when I see an issue, I've got to kind of, not every issue, but some. <laughs> you select the ones that you want to take on. Right, right. You can't take them all on. No, you can't. But with somebody with your enthusiasm, I can see where it would be hard to be selective. <laughs> yeah. Hard yeah. to be selective. You want to say yes to everything because things are... People are doing such important work out there and you want to help as much as you can, but you do have to say no or you just get overwhelmed. So would that be one bit of advice to our listeners is to be careful about not getting overwhelmed by all these needs? Yes, I definitely think that 
making space for the work that needs to be done and really working this idea of working deeply on something is so important. And you can't do that if you're saying yes to everything. I think that a couple of other tips are for anyone. I think entrepreneurs are a little bit different and impact entrepreneurs. Just really finding quiet time in your work day so that you can work deeply, but you can also work very mindfully because our whole movement is about mindfulness and conscious consumerism, really. Oh, that's interesting. It all comes together, right? I mean, mindfulness is about how you make your purchase decisions, who are you buying from, and those things all relate back to certifiably. That's what it's all about, giving you chance to speak with your dollars. Even if it's not a consumer purchase, it's a business purchase, every single purchase makes an impact, right? It can make an impact in in helping somebody build nuclear bombs, right? Yeah, right. Impact in helping someone with solutions for climate change. Right. Right. Every, every purchase should be a choiceful decision. So concentrate on a few things. Learn to say no. take some time during your day Mm -hmm. to really reflect and be mindful of what you're doing. What other tips would you offer to our listeners? Just as a human, I think having a great morning routine is important because mornings are so awesome. Every day is a new day. You don't know what's going to come. Right. And having a little time in your morning to set yourself right for the day is really, really an important thing. I think that partnerships are underrated. They're so important. And I think a lot of businesses are very kind of uh, territorial. They surround themselves with protection. And I think the new world is not about that. It's about busting open so that you can engage with other people. And there's a lot of power in partnerships and reciprocity. Do you find that social impact businesses are more open to partnerships and others or not? I do find that, Kathy. That's a really interesting point to me because because everyone is on the same mission of changing the world through business, Mm -hmm. the idea of having conversations around how can we collectively make greater impact, I do think the impact businesses are more open to that. Mm -hmm. I thought that would be true in some of the research that we've done about cultures of social impact businesses. One of the biggest differences between social impact companies and the more traditional companies is their attitude towards externals, people and institutions outside of their own boundaries. The way they collaborate externally is very different. And that's worth pursuing a little bit at some point, I think, and understand that. I think that's a really, that would be a great topic for you, mm-hmm. for your podcast, because I mm-hmm. do think that there's something very important about that. I also think that impact companies, in order to make a greater impact, they have to work with NGOs. They have to work with yeah. other organizations. You just can't, it's not possible to do it yourself. Right. Right. And that also promotes innovation, which is another big issue these days. So it it kind of all comes together, I think. Yeah, it does all come together. I mean, even for us with Certifiably, when we talk about every business purchase being tied to one of the United Nations SDGs, it won't be, most likely, it won't be that the purchase itself, you would have to track it through a non-government organization like, you know, 
any one of a million of them, but they're the ones who are actually doing the work on the ground to make a difference with climate change or anything to do right. with the environment or any other of the issues, hunger, all of the issues. Right. So it's not the actual company, but it's the choice that the company made to use their money wisely to make that impact. Yeah, good point. One of the other people I've interviewed for this podcast said it's all about how you make your money and how you spend your money. <laughs> well, that's true, isn't it? Isn't it? I like that way of viewing it. That that was very succinct and yeah. tells the story, I think. That was very succinct. I agree, totally. All right. Well, you've given some good advice to people who would like to start up a social impact business. Do you have any other words of wisdom before we go? Well, Kathy, I think everybody should read your book. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think that that would be really important for people. No, I say all the same things that most entrepreneurs would say. Surround yourself with brilliant people mm-hmm. because we don't have all the answers and you can go a lot faster as a team. Right. Go alone. That's an old proverb or something. I should ha- probably have that down tight. <laughs> so, to go fast, go alone. To go far, go as a team. I don't know. I better. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. We'll attribute that to you. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I have anything else, but I just love the work you're doing. And it's so important to get the word out about what impact entrepreneurs are trying to do. So I appreciate what you're doing, Kathy. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today and your advice, Anne. And we'll get you back to talk about this venture again after your vision evolves more. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. I appreciate you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Culture Cafe. If you liked what you heard, connect with us at millerconsultants.com. You can access the show notes and receive our free materials. See you next episode.